This is Jenner, continuing our Humanity First series, which uh, if you haven't been paying attention, you're like, why would you keep doing it? It's because it's not about Andrew Yang, motherfuckers, and uh, <laughs> hopefully you figured that out by now. Uh, my guest today, Lena, so awesome, from the last voicemail blast, and uh, I loved your story. It resonated with me in a personal way, but just like, you know, say hi, introduce yourself. Welcome to MindWave. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that my my voicemail resonated. I've never done anything like that before, so I really didn't know how that would turn out. Um, but yeah, my name is Lena. Currently in uh, in Oklahoma, but I'm a transplant from Tennessee. Um, <laughs> I am a technology nerd, mother of two toddlers, and just you know trying to survive. <laughs> <laughs> you we like our wavelengths definitely synced up on on something specific where we are kindred spirits in one particular domain and it's it's that you're another one of these people who were so inspired that you broke the shackles you said fuck it um you know that's kind of colorful language to use but like seeing that there were more important things to do with your life and kind of taking the leap without a parachute i did the same thing um, and just because watching watching how radically everything's changing, it's like, yeah, yeah, I can ride that wave. I think I can do it. So I, I very much like we're, we're surfing the same wave and I'm looking over at you. I'm giving you a nice little nod. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, we're in for a treat. <laughs> this is going to be. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, well, my my reason for taking the leap was kind of in a lot of layers, but it it definitely was discovering Yang and, and the Yang gang. A lot of the people that I've uh, spoken to or or even just reading their messages online, it inspired me. I mean, um, I was one of the, the regular working class people here in the U S and working full time, 40 hours a week, sometimes 50 or 60, um, just to get off work and pick up my kids and be grumpy because I'm tired and not really pay attention to them and not making enough money, scraping by. And it just got to a point where that routine became ridiculous. And um, I had to find a way to get out of it. And with that type of routine, even being as inspired as I was by Andrew Yang, I didn't have the capacity to extend myself in any way to the campaign. I kept trying to find ways to do it and then was like, well, when am I going to, to text bank for him at 8 p.m. while the kids are struggling to get to bed and then I need to get up early to take them somewhere to get to work? It just wasn't a viable thing for me to do. And I had a few friends that had made the leap into being an independent contractor in a similar uh, work environment um, and career as to what I do. And they kept telling me, you can do it. I promise you can do it. And I just wasn't listening. I mean, they probably had been saying that to me for quite a while. And it was just, no, I like the security of, you know, a nine to five job and and a W-2 and all that. And finally, um, I just did it. And for a little while I was worried, but um, it was like the stars aligned. I got an opportunity. Uh, for my first contract almost the exact same day. It took a while to go into effect, but it was, you know, I did my exit interview and was escorted out of the building after putting in my two weeks notice, which in some technology uh, companies, you don't work two weeks. They, They get you out of there for security purposes immediately. 
and that's what happened to me. So I put in my two weeks notice. Within an hour, I was in the HR office doing an exit interview and then escorted out of the building and then got a call from somebody wanting uh, to hire me um, for a contract job. And it was just, I ended that call amazed. It's like, I cannot believe this just worked out so well for me. Um, And then I spent the next two weeks trying to relax and almost going into a panic occasionally over money, um, which is something that happens a lot when you have two kids and no way to make money that you know of. (laughs) Right off the bat, you start to panic. You're like, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to feed them? Um, But it it all worked out in the end. And um, it's probably one of the best things I've ever done for myself. It, it, oh, that's so beautiful. And it really is a framing thing um, because we're actually delayed by an hour starting this interview, which is partially because I was working on this um, fucking Lego movie thing that by the time this episode comes out, you'll see that and understand why I was already a gushy bitch and like stuck in that all morning. But like, right as I'm getting set up, I get the, uh, the doorbell ding dong, ding dong, ding, like it's spastic you know, real early in the morning, bizarre. I'm like, what the fuck? I actually have it recorded because I was in the middle of recording kind of like after show banter. Um, and it, one of the, uh, one of the other tenants within, uh, whoever, uh, I'll say it. He's a slumlord, um, hand delivered our, uh, termination of month-to-month tenancy so i just got evicted literally like this morning and i love lena you're just like oh no you want to reschedule i'm like no this is like exactly why we need humanity first right now um this is exactly why we need to tell these stories because it is that panic moment of like oh my god what am i gonna do i just Mm -hmm. quit my government job i don't have a retirement or or any any kind of benefits or anything. I don't have any coverage. I'm like just barely skating by because I'm just like mind waves more important. I need to do that. You know, that that the insecurity part of it going, oh fuck. But at the same time I look down at that piece of paper and I'm like, you know what? God, I've hated living here for six years. We've been reporting the same problems over and over again. Nothing ever gets fixed. And it was only because I put my fucking foot down and said, like, no, go fix the fucking window. Go fix the roof. And they're like, okay, well, yeah, we'll do that, but you have to leave. And I'm like, you know what? Please, thank you. Let me let me stop procrastinating and find a real home that's going to be good for a workspace that I can have a real, you know, studio space to bring people in in person, which is something I want to do to have more space for the dogs so that they can run around. So, I mean, we've, we've hated living here for so long, but it really just takes that kind of like framing thing. Like initially I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? And it's the same, like the mind wave thing kicked in where I'm just like, it's fine. Like we're good. Like this is going to lead to something so much better and we just need to stop beating ourselves up and just, just follow, you know, follow your heart as stupid and trite as that sounds. It's, it's fucking true. Cause it's like that motherfucker knows better than what's going on up here. I mean, really it's the same thing. It's all happening in the brain. Uh, it, nerd asterisk, but, um, <laughs> but that's what I really mean. It's just like, follow, follow your passion, do what really provides you value. Spend, spend your time, uh, judiciously. You only have so much, you know, you don't want to get to the end of it and go, fuck, I wasted that whole thing. Didn't I, you know, it's like cherish every fucking moment of it. So th- this is why, 
I was like, no, this is the exact right time to sit down and, and, and talk and just connect as people because that's the whole goal of humanity first. It's just about getting to know each other and, and not prejudging, you know, based on what tribe you came from or who you voted for in the past. That's really at the bedrock of all of it. It's just like, we're not only are we seeing each other again for the first time in a way that feels very deeply rooted in, in our evolutionary history somewhere, but it, we're like seeing ourselves for the first time. And it's extremely surreal, like just participating in this as, as, as both a participant and an observer going like, holy fuck, what's happening? Uh, ramble. Welcome to my Yeah, if you want to respond to any of that. I know I, I do that a lot. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's a friend of mine um, made a comment once in the middle of all this when I, I had brought up, you know, how it's bringing people together of all walks of life and how passionate we all seem to be um, for his message. And then he made the comment. He's like, yeah, he's probably the Antichrist. And I couldn't help but laugh at that because it really, the more you thought about it, if you, if you have any of those beliefs or you know anything about that, the story of the Antichrist, it really kind of seems like the beginning of that, but it's something I had to, to laugh off it, but he really does inspire people to actually get to know each other and sit down and have a positive, calm discussion, even if you have different views on literally anything and I think it's amazing because, um, you know, prior to Andrew Yang, I avoided political conversations like the plague because all I had known from it growing up in the South is it starts fights. <laughs> it starts arguments. Don't don't have those discussions because it's going to go bad. Um, so I've always just kept my head down and kept out of it and not said anything and until Yang. And then I started speaking out and I started saying something and um, having a discussion, multiple discussions with my mother, who is a Southern woman who is an avid Trump supporter from the beginning of his campaign. And by the end of it, I had her agreeing to vote for Yang. And it was amazing. <laughs> that really is that. And it was this kind of emergent property. It wasn't even it wasn't even like an explicit goal. It's just like we were all coming together under the same values and the same just common core principles that like is something that we totally lost, especially, you know, in the division, the political division, like people are so, they're so deluded into thinking like mom and pop, you know, like grandma who bakes the, the apple pies, you know, like, and loves Jesus and goes to church. Like all of a sudden she's a Nazi cause she voted for Trump. And I'm like, Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I actually talk to these people and like, I understand how dangerous that is. So it's just like, get, get that whole, like literally just seeing each other again. And I keep having to bring this back to Halloween because this is something that's like in our culture that we've, that we've started to do, like fear your neighbor, they're evil, you know, they're going to put razor blades in your candy, you know, like when the original message was go out and meet your neighbors and see, you know, who shares this wonderful part of the earth that you live on, which was just like this core fundamental human thing that we lost. And when Andrew Yang came along, it, it was trick or treating again. It wasn't like, hey, cool, look at this nerdy Asian guy who wants to give us free money. It was like, oh, my God, we're trick or treating like again, like Halloween's back, you know, that that's that feeling. <laughs> And, and, and just going like, fuck. And like, that's why we all bonded. Cause we're all bonding over something that's so much deeper than any of the superficial bullshit layers 
that we paint on each other to try and explain, you know, you can't prepackage people like that. And this is something I keep saying again, like, that's not how humans work. You know, humans are the most beautiful, colorful, amazing animals on earth. You know, as far as I'm concerned, that sounds uh, anthropocentric, but fucking Sumi, they're, they're beautiful. It's a beautiful animal just as like evolutionary, like from a biological standpoint, humans. Oh man, are there some scary ones? <laughs> There's some darkness yeah. <laughs> to it, but it's, it's just about like, re- like that's what humanity first is. It's just like, no, just be a goddamn human and stop playing the bullshit game you know for me anyway that that's what emerged out of this whole process kind of brick by brick in the uh, lego universe that i'm kind of trying to build (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it definitely expands on something that i've um working in customer service one of the things that any good manager or any good coworker will will mention to you is that you know, if someone's being rude to you or fighting you over something, just keep in mind you have no idea what they went through before you started that phone call and uh, or the interaction with them in person. And Humanity First kind of expands on that idea um, and on a much larger scale. You don't know what that person has gone through in their life leading them up to this moment. And if you have, you know, completely different views on... Um, you know, the political climate or, or really anything, you don't know what shaped them to have that opinion. Have a calm conversation with them and find out. I mean, you might change your mind. They might change their mind, but you're never going to find out unless you attempt to see things from their point of view. Yeah. And it does take it does take a level of courage that I think was almost beaten out of us as, as kids. This does feel slightly generational to me. Uh, this has just been my my personal story emerging, you know, in in this thing, the much larger thing that I'm just a part of and kind of peripherally glancing to the sides and going, oh, what the hell is this? Um, but it 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 <laughs> it really is that it's just like we're we're seeing in color. We were dragged out of Plato's cave. We see the sunlight, and it's like we're we're being people again we at some point in in our in our the history of our culture we stopped being people we stopped seeing people as people um and this is something we've been trying to articulate in a million different ways for a long time it's like you see these memes going around of the toddlers and oh look at look they don't care what color skin they have. They just love each other. And I'm just like, well, yeah, that's beautiful. And we need to cherish that. And we need to not just passively glance at that and say, oh, look how cute that is. We need to, we need to feel that with them. You know, it's about getting back to something that was deeply there the whole time that we all just kind of gave up and didn't realize because we had to pay the bills. We had to be the cog in the machine to make sure everything else kept working so we can keep the lights on you know when we need to fucking see uh basic fundamental shit that we have to put ourselves through just to survive and that's really why you know we felt seen we felt seen for the first time when andrew came on the stage and was talking about building a floor for us to stand on to Excuse me, I'm I'm burpees because I've been chugging monster and, and scotch for just like two hours. <laughs> it's just being seen and having that basic uh, basic level of of mobility and freedom to pursue, and it was framed within this like 
we're creating new wealth. You should share in it. It wasn't this medieval, let's storm the castle and take the treasure. I mean, I, I sound like a broken record at this point, but it really is the fundamental thing that so many people have yet to understand. And it's because they haven't taken the time. They haven't gained the courage. It's a personal courage thing. It takes introspection, you know, to look at really who you are, to look in the mirror and, and, see who you are actually in this story that we're all a part of because you are a part of it um you're not a passive observer that's like again a fucking broken record this feels so much deeper and so like it's andrew yang is almost a uh, an afterthought at this point because the the thing that we're getting at is is not a it's not a political thing it's not this isn't politics, and that's why people like you and me are like, oh, this is great, because politics is shit. You know, it's just because mm-hmm. it you're willing to actually hear the other person instead of, you know, it's like talking religion with somebody who's just, like, trapped in their ideological bubble. You're never just like, nope, we didn't come from monkeys, and we didn't come from no fish, and there's nothing you could say to change my mind. It's just like <laughs> you, can't, you can't pop that fucking bubble with some people, so we're taught not to even try to explore areas where we're different, uh, different ways in which we see the world. And mm-hmm. it's just about rejecting that and getting back to like our base default human state, which is just being curious and, you know, wanting to run up the hill and roll down it again and, and just be friends with everybody and just love everybody and pet every doggy. You know, that's really what this is for me anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of amazing. And, um, I grew up, like I'd mentioned earlier, I grew up in the South. I, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee, really. It was like a 30-minute drive in any direction to reach a Walmart. Um, so it was it was really in the middle of nowhere, and I had all these layers to the family, all the classic Southerners. Um, your your uh, statement there about religion, you, even the accent that you took on, I can, I can literally <laughs> say that sounds like someone in my family. <laughs> Um, and I had all the different views, you know, I had the people who were always wanting to talk about politics and they had these extreme views that would start an argument. And I had these extreme religious figures in my family who, um, you know, right off the top of my head, one of them wouldn't even let their daughter listen to, uh, Christian rock music because they said it was the Satan's music. So, I mean, (laughs) it's. I don't know how I turned out the way I did living in the middle of nowhere and surrounded by that type of culture, but um, I just naturally wanted to know more about other views and other cultures and other races and people further away from me. And what was it like to be in the city and what is it like to be in other, other countries and wanting to hear all these different types of music. And uh, I was afraid to have conversation with my family about these other things I was interested in, but as I got older, I started breaking those those walls down and started having those conversations. And I realized that a lot of these viewpoints that they had were because they were so isolated in the country <laughs> and they just didn't have the opportunity to be exposed to certain things. And they didn't know any better to go and look for it. So they needed someone like me or, or anyone else to just come in and, and present it to them. Um, and so I, I compare my conversation with my mother about Yang um, to that same thing because she had never even heard of him. 
Um, and she sits down and watches CNN or MSNBC every night. She watches the news. She's watched every debate, you know, but the first time I had a conversation with her, she hadn't, hadn't heard of him at all. And it just blew my mind. And that was when I deep dived into the media blackout thing and, and trying to figure out, well, why are they controlling what we're seeing? And it, it, I've never been one to have, um, uh, TV in my house. I, I subscribe to like Netflix and I have internet and things like that. But the, the moment I was able to just let go of having cable, I did. And so I don't, I don't know what these people are seeing on TV and learning about how controlling things can be. It just, it just blew my mind. And my mother was my direct line to that. What are you seeing on TV? What are you hearing? Um, and, and correcting her, well, no, that's not exactly true. Or, you know, there's these three other people who are running that you don't even know about. You need to be hearing about that. But it's a broad context. Um, I think it's it's just crazy how easily you can isolate yourself from other people and the world. And the best thing that can happen to you is just being able to sit down and have a conversation with another person, a real one, about anything, not just politics, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anything it's, really. It's the human experience. It's the goal of being alive. I mean, if, if we want to talk about biology, like our goal is to live long enough to reproduce and that's all evolution cares about. But humans, we feel something deeper, something uh, we have a spiritual fulfillment, a desire that we have innately within all of us. And it's societally, we've been pushing, quieting that voice down and everybody feels it, but everybody sees it a different way. So when you go out to small town America, they see it as like, oh, no, this is the end. You know, and a lot of people, a lot of this is a phenomenon that uh, I don't think a lot of people on the left understand is that um, they go, how could how could people possibly support Trump? These like apple pie, baseball, love and I love Jesus Americans. How could they support him? And there is a weird psychological thing. Uh, going on there because there is that antichrist kind of narrative where they're they're seeing it and they're like, oh, this is the glorious end. But if you can't, if you're not willing to step out of your out of your own shoes, you know, to see that like, oh, yeah, their their position. This is a, a fairly small subsect of Trump supporters. I'm I'm fairly certain that that's that see him as the antichrist and they're celebrating it because they're like, oh fuck, that means Jesus is going to show up any moment, you know, <laughs> like, oh, we're finally <laughs> getting the final battle. But like, it it really is that kind of. And I I wrote this this note down. I'm trying to get more colorful with my language. It really is. You kind of do need a kid to tug on your shirt every once in a while. It's like that childlike magic. Like, Hey, have you seen what's under this rock over here? Like, come on, <laughs> grown up, like follow me. Like, have you seen what's over here? And like, it just like the, that natural curiosity that we all had that um, some of us just didn't allow it to be beaten out of us, you know? And, and we, we manifest in the world as artists and creators and scientists and, and, there's still this overarching narrative that like, no, uh, it's, it's not cool to be a nerd, you know, like you, like what do you fucking pocket protector? Like what you have a calculator, Ooh, you know, that whole, like, it's, it's cool to be dumb. It's like super hot to be like super dumb. Just like buy me a drink, <laughs> you know? And I'm like that kind of overarching societal narrative that we have had for so long now, 
is so harmful. Hey, it's dehumanizing. And it's just, that's what humanity first is. It's like, no, we are actually just this weird ass species of monkey flying around on a space rock. And it, that just grounding that's bringing it back to really just bringing it back to earth, back to gra- back to the ground, because so many people are up in the fucking clouds. And it's just a matter of like, I understand I'm mixing metaphors because like I'm the worst at that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's, that's really the best way that I can freeform articulate, you know, like the thing we're really talking about here, because it's not, again, it's not a political thing. It's manifesting itself it, it in politics, which is so needed. This is exactly what we need, which is why another message that I'm trying to, um, get out there with by continuing this series is like no this needs to be incorporated into every candidate's political base like everybody should be getting back to this like humanity first principle not just hey bernie uh you should give us ubi it's like no we we, there's a deeper fundamental thing going on here and we have to bring it to everyone you know what i mean it's just like part of the problem is that we're looking out at the landscape of other people and we're not seeing people. We're seeing colors. We don't, humans are not colors. <laughs> it literally needs to go on a fucking t-shirt because it's, that's the problem that, that we're digging at the bedrock we're digging down to in this series. And God, you're such a fantastic fucking, uh, uh, that this is what it's all about. Let's see. I can't even put it into words. This is like, this is why I'm here. This is why you're here. This is why we're doing this. <laughs> like, in a nutshell. <laughs> well, to touch on something you said about Trump, I just I just have to say this. So my mother, what I remember there was a moment when I was in, in high school and I, I graduated in 2008. So it had to have been like 07, maybe even 06. We're watching Trump on TV and it was probably either an appearance on one of the many TV shows he appeared on, or maybe it was one of the ones that he, he did himself. But out of nowhere, she just says, wouldn't Trump make a great president? And and at the time, I was just laughing it off at like, you know, why? Why do you think so? Because he's so good with money. And, you know, our country needs someone in office who can can dig us out of the hole and understands how to handle money. Now, fast forward to him announcing that he's running. And she's just so excited because an idea of hers is coming to pass, you know. Um, here, here is Trump, who she's been saying since like 06 or whatever, uh, running for president. And then when he won, it was almost like she was rubbing it in my face because I kept telling her that it was a bad idea. And so when he won, it's like, oh, see there, uh, America agrees with me. He's going to make a great president. And me coming back with things like, well, he's went bankrupt more times than you can count. And he's lost all these businesses he's had to sell to pull himself out of holes. And he's really not that great with money. He just has a lot to throw around. And it wasn't an argument that she would even listen to. She wouldn't listen at all. Um, so here we are at the, the re-election phase. And, and finally, she's listening to me. And I don't know if it was because I, I said, you know, I'm volunteering for Yang. I'm trying to get his message out. And so it, it had an impact on her that I was actually doing something for him. So it made her listen. Or if she's finally realizing that maybe it wasn't the best idea. I don't know which one it was, but I've always found it hilarious that she made that comment so long ago. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. it, it justified her whenever it, it came to pass, you know? 
It's like you have to remember that the chant wasn't just lock her up. It was also drain the swamp, which is something that we all fucking wanted. Like, we all saw how broken and corrupt it was. You can't fault people for being for, for being captivated by his personality. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a con man. He's, he's got the sparkle in his smile. He'll, he'll sell you a bridge. But, you know, like, that's really what happened here. And, and we have to approach that with compassion and empathy instead of demonization which is what way too many people are willing to do and i made a note here another one on the side i just like i'm on fire with notes with you girl because you're just amazing uh but <laughs> the, there is something to that there is something that we we not only need to you know save those parts of the country by reaching out and 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 just being with each other again there is something there that we've lost in small town america there's a small town magic thing happening there where families do sit down together like it's totally normal for auntie and uncle and grandma and grandpappy to live down the block and everybody gets together for thanksgiving and it's those are the best memories in the world and you have to go to small town America to find that shit anymore. Like the real shit where people mm -hmm. get together on Thanksgiving and Christmas and have real holidays because, you know, growing up, my parents got divorced when I was like six. So the, that fragmentation of like the families becoming instead of one family, it was like several different things, you know, Christmas I was feel you one there. thing. Mine got it divorced when I was like, seven. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's like, we all feel that loss of like what it used to mean to be one family and everybody who, who grew up, you know, where I'm at, like 98% of them, their parents got divorced too, just because they, we lost that basic part of humanity. We lost the, we're one family. We sit down on one table thing. And this has felt so it, painful deeply spiritually painful to all of America. And this is why the people who, who the coastal elites, uh, quote unquote, you know, who, who just live out their lives in drudgery, just trying to make it to the next paycheck. This is, this is the thing that they lost and the thing that they forgot. And it happens the last bastion, <laughs> the last place you can find that real American family shit happens to be inside the homes and the living rooms of the people you're calling Nazis. Do you understand why we're, to, do you understand what, where I'm coming from now? Yeah. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> and, and the, you know, living right down the road from each other is exactly what I grew up with. So there's actually, my last name is Miller. So there's actually a road in, in small town, Tennessee, where I grew up called Miller road. And it was built by my great uncle. And he, when I was growing up, lived at the end of it. And he had sold pieces of land. Now, don't ask me how he had so much money. I have zero idea how he got so much money. But um, he sold pieces of land to his other family members. And so when you first turn on the road, there was a plot of land where my grandmother on my dad's side lived. And then next to her was my uncle on my dad's side. And then next to her was my grandma on my mom's side. And it it kept going. And that road still exists and most of the family still lives there. So when my mom and dad got divorced, it was literally I would go to one Christmas gathering at my dad's house and then get on a bike and ride down to my mom's Christmas gathering. Um, so that was that was my childhood. 
And it's kind of crazy when I say that. You you mentioned it, and it's probably the first time I've heard someone mention that we could. It's normal to live down the road from each other. Um, people usually think it's it's hilarious that that was my childhood. <laughs> yeah, it's because we're so detached. I didn't realize this until I was an adult. I met I met um, my my partner David when I was about nineteen. Okay. And and I grew up in San Diego and LA and just totally detached. And the first time he ever took me, you know, the first time we ever really went anywhere was to Pennsylvania and Ohio, you know, and and getting to like experience, like it felt like a time machine. It felt very bizarre that like, like, wait, like you, you guys all, you like, it was that really like the road is named after your family thing and everybody lives there. And I was like, this is a trip. And, and this was not something that I realized until partway through the trip is that he hadn't come out to his family yet. They didn't know that he was gay. So he was bringing me to introduce me to his extremely sheltered family as like, Hey, here's my boyfriend. And it was very clear that none of them really knew how they were supposed to process it. But that subroutine kicked in that family thing that we lost kicked in and they made me feel so fucking welcome. And they'd like, brought me into their fucking homes even though it it was this total aberration you know a total detour from their regular you know everyday lives where you know sometimes a year they sit out on the porch and the fucking fireflies come out and they just sit out there and they watch it because it's one of the most beautiful things on fucking earth you know what i mean and so it was just like feeling welcomed into that and that that's something that i never felt in my own family which is weird you know, yeah. to like feel that from a stranger and to be welcomed into a stranger's home like that. And like, we need to, we need to cl- reclaim that and cherish that part of it because that's a part we lost. And uh, again, like experiencing this for the first time as an adult and going, oh my God. And then exposing myself to my own family roots because I grew up in San Diego, but I'm in, I'm in Southern Arizona now. And I'm, I happen to be in a really weird place in Southern Arizona. It's a very, very old town. It's like a mining town from like the turn of the century or some shit. Um, so it, there's a lot of really, really old places, really, really like lots of f- different faces of history. And part of my awakening was learning that like, no, my family actually like founded, they came out here and covered wagons and actually founded a lot of these places. Like my great, great something worked on the railroad that runs down the, you know, down like five minutes away. I can, I can walk down there. Can I put my, my hand on the the cold steel railroad track, which is now embedded in asphalt, but you can still see it, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. coming up from beneath the ground and, it's it's that and actually this is probably another weird area of resonance because uh my family are i actually come from like one of the mormon families that settled this half of the country uh came out here in wagons my great 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 i think that's three great (laughs) uh grandpa was william jordan flake who's also uh the this is our our previous senator jeff flake is is his descendant as well and there's a town called snowflake up in arizona and going through there is very very surreal uh, especially as a flake <laughs> you know <laughs> of sorts and it's like in the whole town is like that like 
you you go into McDonald's on one side of the town and like by the by the time you come outside like there are people from the other end of the town like whoa you you're 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 one of him and I'm like whoa this is way too weird I had a little kid this was a trip we're taking pictures of um, there are these big bronze statues you know that that depict the coming out in the wagon and all this and I'm like yeah that's my great 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 fucking whatever. Uh, and this little kid comes up on a razor scooter. It was the most ab- adorable thing ever. And I'm just kind of like taking in the moment. And I'm like, yeah, yes, yeah, that's my whatever. And he was just like, his eyes set up and it was the most fascinating thing he'd ever heard. And then as we're going off, he's like, hey, he he did this like little double take thing. And this kid, had, this kid had to be like 11 or something. I don't know why I'm telling this story other than the fact it's just adorable. But he did this double thing where I could tell he like went to want to go like he went to shake my hand, you know, like, like you do in small town America, you're told, you know, like you shake a man's hand, but I, I could tell like he had this like half, I want to give you a hug thing. And like, <laughs> he just like this random strange kid just gave me a hug. And I was like, man, that was so cool. Like that. We just bonded over this, like, cool. Like this, this is your stomping ground. This is your story that you're going to tell someday. This is the place that I grew up. And then like, <laughs> you know, random stranger blows through town it's like those are the most beautiful human stories ever man and like realizing that that's there oh and these guys were wackos which is also fun because his brother was literally like in joseph smith's congregation uh (laughs) and like was like one of his like head dudes so like i literally literally if you climb up my family tree you straight up get to joseph smith so that that's (laughs) it's a very 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 trippy uh genealogical tree to climb around on like a little kid man because that's really what this is it's it's deeper oh. deeper not just our own families but like our 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 common family tree and we're, we're just all little kids climbing around on it and hanging out and being monkeys man i love it <laughs> yeah well my family tree's all over the place i i call myself a mutt because i have uh my great grandmother was uh half cherokee and my uh, grandfather on my mother's side was a Scottish uh, immigrant. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm just all over the place. But, you know, coming back to the, the small town America thing, I, to be honest, just hated my, my town. I hated um, being there. Like, I loved being in the country because that's what I knew. But the small town feel where everybody knows you, everybody knows your business, I couldn't stand it. And I took the first opportunity I could to just get out of there. And since I've gotten older and started telling people about the town I came from, um, the more I realized how awesome that town was that I came from. So I grew up in Summertown, Tennessee, but I graduated and went to school in Hohenwald, Tennessee. And those two places are very historical. Um, it's actually the the burial place of Meriwether Lewis from the Lewis and Clark expedition. And I have a great, great great grandmother who's buried right next to him we have no idea why we've tried to track it down because the story goes the only people that are buried around him were either a part of the expedition or they were in the freemasons group with him um so but we couldn't track her to she was born after the expedition was over and in fact i believe after he had passed um so we, we have no idea what her connection to him was but she's definitely there um and then, of course, a couple of entrances to the Natchez Trace is there. Um, it's just, it's a beautiful town to be in. They also have an elephant sanctuary there. Um, oh, my 
and I had went to it on a on a field trip from school and at the time I didn't realize how weird that is you know middle of the country small town America there's elephants there <laughs> um, but yeah they take in elephants from uh, that are rescued either from circus life or many other situations and they rehabilitate them and let them live out their lives happy um, and at the time, I just didn't appreciate that at all. And now I do. And I'm the only person in my entire family who's just left and not come back yet. So um, all of my family is still in those, one of those two towns in Tennessee, and I'm in Oklahoma. <laughs> but I, I definitely appreciate it a lot more now. Yeah, you, you don't realize how valuable it is till you get outside of it, you know, and, and look back on it kind of in retrospect. It really is kind of 2020. I had this I had this emergent thing with, you know, cause my parents were divorced and like dad was like, you go see him as a chore type of thing. And I didn't realize until it was way too late that like, he was always the real parent and the other one wasn't. So like, uh, that whole thing, but it really, really is just about getting back to our roots. Um, cause they go very deep and they mm -hmm. go some very cool places. Um, you you reminded me i've never mentioned this before but i have um my nana on my mom's side was super into genealogy and i'm a mutt too oh this is great because the best the best dogs are mutts and the best people are mutts i'm scottish irish <laughs> italian and english some weird some weird comment i i have a liver of steel i will drink you under the table old man <laughs> but um she she was fascinated with our family history and she actually traced back two distinct lines to the mayflower people who were unrelated it was like a little girl and an old man or something that just happened to be on the same boat and came here and like such and so many so many connections down the line their families combined into the thing that is now my family and i'm like whoa it's just like if we just take a minute to like realize that like the, the really 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 deep our origins i i think really a lot of it is just about like realize what you are realize where you came from don't for, don't forget don't forget you're you're really human um and we yeah. just have to be the mirror for the those people we have to tug on their t-shirts and be the kid the kids who see the magic under the rock and say just like god come with me <laughs> it comes back to that whole argument that we're we're dealing with right now about immigration we are all generations of immigrants we're we're mutts that's what the united states is so i don't understand why everybody's fighting it or or treating new immigrants so badly because we we all started out that way. We weren't here to begin yeah. with, most of us anyway. My you know, my great grandmother's family aside, <laughs> you know, being Cherokee. Um, but, you know, she she melded with the melting pot that is America. Um, the rest of us that came from other countries. So be nice, you know, be yeah. be different, be accepting and and you can learn. I mean, there's definitely some bad apples i'm sure but don't judge everybody on on the whole based on one yeah no absolutely like america as as a country with its current current borders is really the melting pot of civilization because civilization developed on the other side of the world and it was only through a couple tiny chances tiny little threads that connected um, to start something new on this side of the world 
that we that we call America, which includes all of Canada, all of South America and Central America. Um, it really was, and it goes back way before. I mean, before the Vikings, the ancestors of the Native Americans came over, like I forget what fuck, hundred and twenty thousand years ago or something across a <laughs> an ice bridge. Imagine, and these are these are humans just like you and me, you know that that have the same thoughts and the same feelings. They were just living in a very different world, and they 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 saw the the harshness. You know, the um, God, I keep I'm wanting to take it back to Carl Sagan is just like, you know, the world, the the it, the cosmic ocean, you know, exploring and shit. So, you know, even even the very first people that got here, their roots are are deeper somewhere else, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's remembering where we came from and then why we're here. Um, you know, the new land, the new world that we discovered, the other half of the world um, that was just all new territory for us to discover. Uh, we've, we've conquered it now. It's has a dark and brutal fucking history. Um, that's extremely difficult to even think about much less actually unpack when you realize, you know, what we're actually standing on. But the thing that makes it dark is the thing that also makes it so fucking beautiful. This is the beacon of hope for, you know, the new ways, the new ways versus the old ways. And this goes back to ancient wisdom. This is the the Old Testament versus the New Testament. You know, we are in the promised land on the other end of the earth. You know what I mean? And it's just mm-hmm. about realizing that, like who we are, where we came from, why we're here in the first place. It let alone, you know, the, the sharp boundaries between here and there, they don't matter so much as the core mission, the core reason why we're here in the fucking first place. And I'm saying this as somebody who I can drive down the road and throw a Frisbee into Mexico because that's how close I am to Trump's glorious border wall. Um, (laughs) We need to remember who we are. That's what humanity first is. Oh man, this went way deeper than I go. I don't know why I wasn't expecting this to go just like profoundly deep (laughs) because this series is just taking off in in an amazing way now that Andrew's dropped out because it used to just be like, hey, let's gush about Andrew. And now it's like, no, we're getting to something very, very deep and very Mm -hmm. real that transcends all of it. It it almost has absolutely nothing to do with him at this point, which is what it's, oh, whew. (laughs) Oh, he's fun. Well, that's probably a good point for me to say I have to pee. So (laughs) let's take a break here for a second, if you don't mind. That is a beautiful human moment. I hope you don't mind me leaving (laughs) in. We're going to take a quick break, guys, and we will be uh, right back with the MindWave (laughs) podcast continuation of the Humanity First series. I'm actually going to record this because this is kind of like the ethic that I have around it. Um, if, if you're familiar with weed culture, how that works, basically, Mm. um, it's like, if I have some and you ask me for some, it's like, just go ahead and take some from the communal bag and whatever you leave me, that whatever's clever. Um, I have a very hard time with the whole shameless self-promotion or selling quote unquote, my, my talents. Uh, I realize that they're they have utility and are are valuable in many different domains. 
Uh, but I've never been one of those people that's like, yes, you can buy me for this dollars an hour. <laughs> I just can't do that. <laughs> so um, if somebody out there has seen what I've <laughs> humbly thrown together and um, wants to consider offering me something in the realm of, I mean, the, the ultimate long-term goal was always to go into sound design for like video games or movies or a documentary series, something fucking nerdy that I could just throw all my creative energy at and have just the time of my life with. But I, that's not like a yes, so that I can get money. I'm like, no, so that I can like spiritually fulfill myself. And if money comes with it, then like fucking awesome. I can buy some more whiskey and make some more cool shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Well, we haven't really gotten into what it is that I do, you know, going into independent contracting. (laughs) Oh my God. That's Um, like a whole, that's like the whole, the whole other part of this. Like I put a big fucking checkbox on technology because we need to get into technology and talk about what it is you actually do because I don't know, but I want to know. <laughs> and uh, just kind of like the thing that we both saw that kind of made us, you know, happy and hopeful for the future, that thing that we have to hold on to with like, like a fight. We had death grip on that shit. We can't lose it, you know, because it's like so many people I've, and I've seen this in the Yang King. I've seen so many people just like give back into the darkness, you know, give up. And go, oh yeah. God, it's, it didn't work. And I'm like, no, it did. It did work. And you, you yeah. played a super important role in it, you know, in whatever way that you did. And uh, uh, maybe a, a good interjection before we get into the technology bit is, is this feeling that we both, you and I both had, and that a lot of people in the Yang Gang had is like, fuck, God, we were so close. We didn't do enough. Um, not being able to contribute, you know, in in the conventional way, like I didn't have a whole lot of money to donate to the campaign. I still gave every penny that I had. I still bought, you know, the the shirts, the humanity first shirts and, and shit that I'll. Oh, oh, I'm wearing one right now. I'm wearing the pride one, the rainbow one that I believe is your <laughs> your Facebook timeline uh, photo and yeah. your Twitter <laughs> banner, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah I fucking love this shirt. It's super comfy. I just um, and- <laughs> zoomed in on me wearing it and like cropped that and put it as my my uh, header on everything. <laughs> it's great. And it's so the rainbow is such a, a great example of what we're talking about, where it's like really like there are lots of places to fall in there, but it really is all just one thing. Um, and using that as a logo. And this is a total tangent, but like the LGBT community embracing the rainbow as like the symbol of standing up and saying, no, we are who we are. We're going to stand up against Stonewall. We're going to stand up against oppression. You know, like the, oh, fuck, where was it going? God damn it. Uh, I was on a roll. God, oh, I hate it when that happens. Brain fart. Brain <laughs> happens fart. all the time. Uh, uh, all, all it happened to me in the middle of that voicemail I was leaving for you at one point. Like, I think I made it to the part of saying something about technology as a career. And then I just... I lost what word I was going to say. And then there's a whole moment where there's a pause and I don't even know where I was going. And then I recovered somehow. (laughs) It's great. And I love this idea of evolutionary shit because every once in a while I'll slip up on the show and I'll just like, I'll do a record scratch and just like spice it and be like, this is what I actually meant. Cause uh, I'm a drunk idiot. 
but uh <laughs> god it was something it's something about the ra- oh god rainbow duh we we're talking about the rainbow and <laughs> since it was taken over as a symbol by the uh lgbt community as like a we're reclaiming this as as it, our flag that we're gonna you know fly for freedom from oppression and there uh this is another weird area of resonance is is the religious roots of that where you have people you know religious fundamentalists saying like oh you know this is a perversion this is evil uh the rainbow is evil now it's a symbol of you know homosexual deviance and blah 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 this and that and it kind of takes it kind of takes the little kid tugging on the shirt to to go you remember in sunday school when they taught us that the rainbow is the symbol of god's love um and that was that was his <laughs> message that you know we weren't ever going to have to suffer suffer the flood again that we're we're starting anew as brothers and sisters on the planet that we share that god gave to us like that's his message every time it appears in the sky that it's it's god saying he loves you or did you forget that part of the bible bitch or like what like oh god uh anyway that was that i i had to add that in there just because it was like oh god perfect moment but uh technology beep boop beep uh <laughs> technology because you are you are a girl nerd and i fucking love girl nerds like we need to amplify the girl nerds because they're going to take over the fucking world um <laughs> so what is it exactly that you you've alluded to you that you do something in technology but like let's unpack what you actually do we got to know who you are i think that's mm-hmm. that part's very clear but like what do you actually do because that's so extremely cool <laughs> my experience in technology is actually pretty wide ranged um but what i'm doing currently is i guess well, the, the title I've given myself is IT project manager. That's probably the best way to put it. But what I do is facilitate connecting um, businesses or individuals who need websites, applications, or even revamps to something they already have um, created. And I connect them to the team or individuals that can best make that happen. And then I also educate them on what they need to make that happen or what their best uh, value or cost-effective method would be. And then I sort of manage the whole project from start to finish and make sure that everything that they've wanted, all the requirements are met. Um, So that's what I do now. (laughs) Um, It's a wide range though, because, you know, I I could have a client that is an e-commerce client. They sell things online primarily. They don't actually have a physical store you can walk into. And then I also have other clients who are an established business um, that have been around for many, many years, but they don't have an online presence. And that's what they're looking to do is to create that. And then there's also universities who need a full-blown application for their students and their teachers to log into and manage on the back end and the front end. So it it can be very wide-ranged, and their needs can also be very wide-ranged. So, and with that, I also, like, sometimes they need content created, so have to connect with content writers, or they want videos taken or edited of their uh, whatever it is that they're doing, which could be almost anything. So I have to connect them with um, people who can take those videos or edit those videos and get them online ready. Um, so it's all over the place. <laughs> so, 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 so
So, for example, if there was an outside-the-box content creator who is trying to create spaces for other creatives, like something I'm calling the sandbox, and working with lots of people, and like totally incorporating this Lego movie, you have a special piece uh, to add to this thing we're building together. So, it, it, another way of unpacking what it is you actually do is that you are literally the exact next person who I would need to talk to about work like making my website actually work and making my vision of the universe come true and uh <laughs> connecting connect like literally you're describing i'm like whoa oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah that that fucking the <laughs> thing we're doing like yeah oh man to summarize it that's that's exactly what i do so i could um, if you already have a website created, I could tell you what you need to launch. I could tell you what you need to optimize your search engine results to show up when people search for things similar to what you're doing. Um, or I could even facilitate getting a website built for you. Um, and I know the start to finish nitty gritty. So like you need a domain registration, you need a server to host it on. So you need a hosting provider and, and basically all of that. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. I feel like this is just like I, I was just like, again, I'm going to take it back to the little kid shit. I was just like wandering through the forest and I picked up a rock and went, <gasps> it really is that because the thing that one of the things I'm trying to make the mind wave different from other shows is that it's very much concerned with um, connecting individually and having a way to reward people individually for their contributions. So I have a sandbox that's like creative space for anybody to play in, but there's a user profile system built into the existing website, which is very bare bones. It's very basic at the moment, but the idea is that this is an opt-in way that with a zero floor, anybody can get in on it, but um, it's a way for their contributions to be recognized, you know, even if they're sharing or commenting or rating or reviewing or whatever. And I'm going totally RPG with it, like super nerd to where like you get points and you can get badges, you know, for your accomplishments for like contributing to the whole thing. And I eventually mm -hmm. want it to be this like fully immersive flash page. You fly through wormholes to go into different, you know, galaxies and stuff to interact with different people. It's a whole social thing that's built into the support model that allows me to break it up and say okay yeah you you people with these badges you get access to like this secret champagne room where we have this exclusive content just for you um the wine cave yeah literally literally the <laughs> wine cave so um yeah, that's that's my vision for what I'm going to try to build. And there's a much larger vision that that's like the origin story, too. But like, that's the first thing that I'm trying to build is my own platform that exists outside of all the other ones um, that still integrates with it's kind of like that small town thing. You can be in buttfuck middle of nowhere and have the closest Walmart be 30 minutes away, which literally describes exactly where I'm at. I have two Walmarts I can go to. They're both half an hour away. I just go to the Safeway down the street and it's way more expensive, but what the fuck ever. It's about being <laughs> being connected to the outside, but also being connected, you know, to yourself. So that that's kind of like how I'm ethically, how I'm approaching my support model. Um, I want to have private spaces for guests, like it, almost kind of like a pre-filter, like it functions like a paywall, but it's not a paywall. But if you do pay into it, like you get mad goodies kind of thing. 
Um, anyway, I've, mm-hmm. I've broken down the universe concept uh, quite a bit. So if you haven't caught that on the show, kind of like to get the little tinkles of what I'm getting at, this is like you're literally the person who I would be like, okay, so like where do I go from here? Because I'm ground up. I'm an <laughs> old school MySpace nerd. I I found uh, a friend who offered me server space. I bought my own domain for like $3. <laughs> And uh, hooked it up to WordPress, and I've been building this WordPress site with my, like, Windows 98 level HTML skills. <laughs> and uh, it's coming along beautifully, but really, like, I, I am very self-aware that, like, yeah, I, I really need, like, a 14-year-old to step in and just build me something on Squarespace that's going to be a, me- a million times better. Uh, I'm just, and, you know, <laughs> I, I'm... I'm uh, what's what's the word uh, utilitarian i work with what i got man it's all it's all function mm-hmm. so it's basic as fuck right now but my vision is huge and i'm so glad to have met you because now i can put you in my little rolodex of like awesome humans who are like oh she could totally help me build the thing we're building i love that it is a <laughs> lego movie it's like it's every single one of you every single one of you is the fucking special you guys and it's if you expect me to stop talking about the lego movie anytime soon uh sorry it's not gonna happen well i mean i think that's another um that's the beauty of the yang gang one of the things that i've really liked is is being able to connect with or or even just kind of watch somebody tell their own story online uh what they do and these people that i feel like i never would have connected with like i never would have connected with you let's just be honest this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the yang gang Oh, for um, real. And we'd be like best friends in real life if we just like bumped into each other at a Jamba Juice or something like you're just a beautiful human. You know, I'm like, I need to spend <laughs> so much time with this girl. Let's go to the movies. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is the beauty of it. Yeah, uh, it is. And and I think that's just another another layer of, of humanity first. I love it. But yeah, um, for sure, we can <laughs> we can table that conversation um, and just to see what you're what you've done, where you're at, what you've accomplished. And then we'll see. I mean, I have a team of individuals, but we're all independent contractors. So I can definitely say there's like certain people I know who won't do it without money. But I might be able to tell people about the whole concept and what it is that you're trying to achieve. And we'll find those people who are like, Oh yeah, I want to do this for like a hobby. Um, you know, I want to, I want to work on this so that I can teach myself X, Y, Z or how to do whatever on the website. And that's, that's another part of technology. It's like, you can learn so much by, by experimenting and just doing it. And that's, that's an opportunity right there. (laughs) I just, I just had a total ding because what I'm trying to do, it really is skunk works. Um, and as a nerd, you'll probably know what I mean by skunk works. It's really just kind of like a, a research and development department that you just take off all of the just here's a bunch of money, see what you can come up with. And I, I fucking love that because the thing I'm trying to build like any anybody and the, this is important that you mentioned that anybody who is kind of hearing about this and is like, yeah, um, you know, like I, I can, I can do it for X, you know, some kind of like transactional for on a fundamental level for me that this is my relationship with Mindwave. This is unconditional love. You know, this is kind of like, kind of like your mom telling you that she'll give you a car, but 
only if you give her three thousand dollars uh that's not uh, <laughs> oh bitch sorry josh yeah. <laughs> but that that is kind of like the fundamental like i want the people in this project who see the vision and and who aren't concerned about the money part really at all um and I, i'm slowly starting to find those people one by one because this isn't a business model for me it's a it's really like a change the world model um as ambitious and <laughs> like yes lofty as fuck like thinking that you know i have any chance of of moving the needle but it's like we all have to feel like we have that power to move the needle we all have to feel like you know like our voice is actually there we're not just shouting into the void so much of our lives when we try to connect or we try to, you know, the things we really care about when we try to get them out there, it does feel like shouting into the void a lot of, a lot of the time. And it, it just, it really is about providing the sandbox to play in, to go completely outside the box and just see what you can come up with. And that's like built into the, the warp drive, the warp core of Mindwave is this this kind of skunk works collective Lego movie. We have a we can all build this together and be a part of it. And like, holy fuck, that would be great if it like brought in some money. But if you're thinking in in dollar signs and decimal points, you're not in this for the right reason. Um, you know, because like fundamentally like any anybody who's listened to the show know that that's why i took the leap because it wasn't about the dollar signs and the decimal points it's about this it's about this because this this feels real this feels better this feels human this feels productive it feels like it's a valuable use of my time you know and it's, oh, yeah it's that's the shit and i mean that's the reason why i made the leap i mean fundamentally I didn't have like a cause that I felt like I could contribute to too much with even with volunteering for the campaign I had to work around my kids schedules and what I was doing for them but you know ultimately working that nine to five job I wasn't giving them the attention they needed and and coming back to a point you made before I wasn't giving them the ability to expand on their imaginations and and just be happy and be kids because I was too worried about oh, well, I have to get you to bed at this time because I have to get you up at this time and I have to make it to work at this time. And there was just too much going on. And now, ultimately, I'm working less for more and I have more time for them and I'm happier to spend time with them and stay up late with them if if they want to stay up and, and be creative. I mean, I spent my whole weekend taking care of my daughter who was sick but the only thing that made her happy while she was sick is making things out of play-doh or coloring in her coloring book she's two by the way um (laughs) and so i i sat there with her almost all weekend while she was cooking food made out of play-doh and bringing it to me and pretending to eat it with her you know and all that and it's that that's what it's really all about. I mean, I felt great contributing to the campaign. And like I had mentioned to you in conversation in the end, when he dropped out, I felt like I didn't do enough because I had to stop volunteering. But that's the reason why we make these leaps to try and be self-employed and be self-managed is so that you can focus on things that you're passionate about or that you love or, or need attention rather than how am I going to pay this next bill? 
Um, and I think that's important. And so I love what you're doing and I love being a part of it. And if I can help contribute to the overall um, idea and goal, then I'll be happy to. This is, I keep framing this as a universe thing. Like it, It's like the stars shine on their own and there, there's room for everybody. This really is a Mr. Rogers level, like come be my neighbor, just play in my sandbox. Let's share our toys this feels so much I I keep I, again I'm a I'm a broken record on this shit you guys but like hopefully if I'm you know by in, consistently invoking those <laughs> those kind colorful words hopefully you, you kind of get what we're getting at here and why why this exists in the first place and it's not it's not because of me because if it was just me uh, recording this into my computer and treating it as a diary, it would have never worked. You know, it would have been cathartic for me um, to kind of dump my emotional purse into an audio file every once in a while. But it really is uh, the reality of life that, you know, dogs bark sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. You know who is. you remind me of in this whole thing? This whole thing reminds me of something, but on like a more meaningful level. Um, and hopefully this doesn't offend you at all. But one of one of the podcasts that I listen to regularly is Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. <laughs> I and have not heard of this one. You've never heard of it? Okay, no. so you should check it out because your format reminds me a lot of, of what they're doing. But they sit down with celebrities um, or, you know, even some famous scientists have been on there and they just get to know them like from start to finish. Where were you born? What was your childhood like? Where'd you grow up? What's your views? And they get into the nitty gritty of like, like they just let the conversation flow. And so if it goes in, in one direction or the other, that's, that's great. And you remind me of that, your format. It's like your, you're going in that direction. It's like an armchair expert thing, except you're bringing people on who are, you know, they have meaningful points to what they're doing and you have an overall goal, you know, humanity first. And it, it may have started to support a political figure, but it's grown into something more. But yeah, the format reminds me a lot of armchair expert. And so you should definitely check that out. <laughs> I I will put that on my list. I, I may not get to it until like 2063 because my, <laughs> my main thing as a consumer, because I was a podcast consumer for a really long time, but my the way that I absorbed that was through my nine to five was through my uh, everyday job. And now my everyday job is making the show. So there's mm -hmm. not a natural slot to like lube it up and slide that into like it just doesn't it doesn't jive with my day. But it makes me very <laughs> happy to hear that, like, of course, I'm not the only one to be jumping down this particular rabbit hole we all may call it something different but it really is the same thing um and it it's crucial it's fundamental just like th this is the one thing beyond any policy beyond any any other political ideology it really just is about returning to who we actually fucking are um mm-hmm and i had i had a segue there uh oh it's the it's the lego movie thing 
again because <laughs> I am of course <laughs> I I am just Emmett. I am just a regular construction worker who has lived most of his life following the instruction manual, and it it took a couple other magical Lego creatures in the universe to wake me up to the fact that like, no, I could just be a master builder and I could just, I could build the double decker couch that will save the world. And holy fuck, it really is that. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's about realizing that I, at the same time, realizing I'm just Emmett, like we need all of the other Legos to make this work. Um, and it really is just about giving, giving you a, a, platform to build your crazy lego creation on it that really is what it is because you guys you specifically lena and and everybody else who's come on this project it's like you are the thing that is is making this happen it's not me i'm contributing you know whatever little part that i have to contribute in in whatever way that i can but it's like you guys are really the thing that's happening I'm just a part of it and and it's the most beautiful thing I've ever been a part of in my entire life. It's been emotionally and spiritually like radically transformative for me to the point where I've lived my whole life as like a callous atheist asshole who's like, oh, you believe in the invisible sky daddy who grants wishes. Fuck you. You know, you're an idiot. You're a dumb little kid. And just exposing myself specifically, Lena, I want you to understand that, like the voicemail blast that you are a part of that specific thing. Cause I've done a lot of these voicemail blasts over the course of the campaign. And so many of them were so hopeful and so still illuminating, colorful and human. And just like, God, I really feel that, you know, even though I don't know this person, I really feel what they're feeling. And but this specific one, this specific like, okay, Yang dropped out. Now what do we do? One like so moving for me, and just exposing my uh, my gooey soul, just ripping open my fucking rib cage and exposing myself to this made me understand what people are talking about when they use the word God, because I didn't before. I just didn't understand what the fuck they were talking about. I was like, what? So there's a, there's a old guy up there with a beard who looks down on you and grants your wishes. Cause if that's the thing you're talking about, like that guy is an asshole and he needs to check his fucking email because we're suffering. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but getting to this, getting to this, like connecting it's like God isn't something that's out there that's watching over us. It's something in us that's looking outward and it's looking for itself and it's it's looking to bring us together. And that's something that I never could have articulated because it's something I didn't understand. It's something as fundamental as looking up at the sky and not realizing that the stars are other suns with their own worlds, with you know potentially their own life, with their own creatures looking up at the night sky and looking out and seeing what's there and wondering what the bigger story is. Ah, oh, fuck, mm -hmm. man. This is... Oh. And that was something else that you and I connected <laughs> with, is the, the God is an asshole comment, just because... It was a, a literal statement that I'd heard from my father when I was growing up. And so when I heard you say that on one of your previous episodes, it was just like, I couldn't help but crack up listening to it. But, you know, 
coming back to who I am and where I came from, both of my parents were disabled when I was growing up and I'm an only child. So I kind of got into this really early on, um, this phase where I was taking care of them. And so even though they got divorced when I was seven, they would come back together and live together for periods of time when one or the other was doing very badly so that we could, as a family, still take care of each other. And my dad was, for the most part, sicker than my mother. And um, I had mentioned to you, my mother was a Baptist. My dad was a self-proclaimed atheist. And so as a young child, I would be told by my mom, you know, I'm not going to force you to go to church. I'm not going to force you to read the Bible, but I would like if you did. And so I, I did just to see what it was all about. And I would attend church. And frankly, I find them very creepy. Um, not not going to go into that too much, but it it's they, they creep me out. Um, but then I would go to my dad and, you know, talk about something I learned or something I saw and ask him, you know, do you believe in God? And he would always say, if God exists, he is an asshole. And it was just, that was it. That was all I would ever get out of him. Um, and so I, I felt very spiritual, um, as a young child, but I didn't agree with the religions that were presented to me. And so I also spent some time trying to learn about other religions and I never found myself agreeing with really any of them. But the one thing that I agree with as a whole is that I do feel like there is um, a higher power, I guess, if you want to say it that, but there's like a connection. There's that, that feeling that you were mentioning where you just ran into a whole situation where you felt something that was bigger than yourself. And um, through taking care of my parents, I feel like I ran into that a few times. And so I am, I call myself an agnostic, um, because I do believe in something, but it, I don't have a name for it. <laughs> I've been even apprehensive about embracing that one because my criticisms of God, I feel like are just, and they're not my criticisms. I mean, you go back to Epicurus, and they say, you know, like what kind of what kind of being would allow this level of suffering, you know, on on, on the beings of which it over which it holds domain? What kind of god would would allow this? It's it's either a god that doesn't care, um, which would make him an evil asshole, or it's a god who sees what's happening and is powerless to do anything. It, wherein it's it's an impotent god or or it's or it's invisible it's, it doesn't really exist at all so th- those are really if if you're framing it in in a religious context it's either it's either god is an asshole who doesn't care about us or god is a a immense immensely bleeding heart you know jesus type figure who wants to help us but doesn't know how or he doesn't exist. And those are really like logically the only conclusions that you can come to if you frame God in those terms. You know, if, if you're framing it as as the creator of man, the, the uh I love this and I cannot believe I cannot believe I've never said this on sentence on the show before, but like man created God in his own image. It it mm-hmm. wasn't the other way around. It's like we saw what we are and we saw how powerful we are. We saw what we could do, what we could create, 
and we assumed that this natural world, everything around us, and as interconnected and beautiful, beautifully intricate as it is, we saw this and assumed it, it must be something like us that created it. And and how arrogant, how arrogant to think that the tiny thing, the tiny little spark in our in our our hearts and our heads and our souls to think that that's anything like the creative process that led to all of us is it's it's oh man this is oh this is going way deeper than i ever expected this series to go i thought it was just going to be like hey let's talk about andrew yang isn't he cool but like we 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 got to something so much better so much better and as fucked up as this said as it sounds to say like uh andrew like thank thank you for dropping out because like you were the (laughs) you were the spark that lit this fuse you were the catalyst in this machine in this reframing of humanity first that's not just a it was never just a campaign slogan but it's always been a way of life but articulating it and framing it outside of a political he did context. it beautifully. He did it so beautifully, and we just need to take that next step. God yeah, it's damn. Like humanity oh. first is definitely a way of life, and I feel like what Andrew did on a much broader scale and a much more important stance than than just being a political figure is that he brought that to people's attention. Like He made people understand it um, and finally adopt it. So, you know, I... I've always held values that very much uh, align with that, but I didn't know that there was a name for it. And I didn't know that there was so many other people who felt the same way. I mean, my, uh, my header is the rainbow, like you had pointed out. I'm bisexual, but I'm not, I don't consider myself an advocate um, right off the bat for that community because ultimately, you know, I, I did get married. I had kids. I kind of, you know, went the normal route that everyone else does, but embracing that and putting it on t-shirts and making it a part of his campaign, I thought it was, it was fucking beautiful. And so that to me stood out more than anything. It's like, okay, so I want to support him and I want to show people that I support him. So what's the the best way to do it? And I was like, okay, the one thing that stood out the most to me is this fucking shirt. So I'm going to put it on there because <laughs> I think it's it's amazing. And that's just one area of humanity first, you know, supporting that community is one thing. Supporting immigrants is another. Supporting, um, you know, acceptance across races is another. And it's just on and on and on. You can just keep going and it all is encapsulated with humanity first. That should be our end game. That should be our goal for everybody is, is to get to a state where humanity first is not the minority. It's the majority. Yeah. It just takes being able to shine the light again, to use fucking metaphors. I was looking for a specific Carl Sagan quote because, um, he has so many, (laughs) I, I, it's, it's a spiritual ground wire. Um, and it was probably something from the demon haunted world. If, if I had to, I, I know my own self well enough. I, that's probably what I was getting at is that, uh, you know, so much of it is, 
so much of it is is in the 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 stories we're given, the prepackaged books, you know, and, and this kind of goes to math too. Like it's when they teach us math in school, they're just like, no, just memorize, you know, this times this equals this. They don't teach you to actually understand, um, actually understand what, what at the core of it, what it all is. And I, I, I think this is probably what I was getting at is that Carl mentioned this in the demon haunted world, science as a candle in the dark is that there was a story and I don't know why I keep taking it back here, but it feels so appropriate. There was a story in the Jewish Talmud that was left out of the story of Genesis, which is that the original presentation of God was not this almighty, you know, perfect creator that created everything in his own image. It was just this flawless thing. And that's the, the biggest problem that so much of us have is this flawless, infallible, omnipotent, omniscient version of, of a creator because we don't see it. We don't feel it. Um, but there was a story that was left out of Genesis in, in the version of the Bible that we all know that we were all taught. And that's that in the Garden of Eden, when God created <laughs> Adam and Eve in this beautiful story, which is full of wackadoodle bullshit, which I should, as a quote-unquote atheist, uh, asterisk there. But the original story was that God wasn't perfect. He wasn't... He was kind of made in our image, and he knew that he couldn't create it by himself. So he gave... That was the mission to Adam and Eve that he gave them. It was to complete the creation. That was our our goal, you know as as given from on high was not to say to look at the world the way that it is and and say yeah this this is yeah this is awesome this this is how it works you know the king in the castle decrees it and and so be it the original story was that like no this is your mission now your mission is to complete the creation you're you're a part of the creation story you're not you're not somebody looking back on it you know from the ages of history or whatever, looking back on it as this, this ancient tome, you know, it's like, no, it's, it, it, you're a part of it. And I feel like a biggest, the, one of the biggest failures of modern Christianity was, was taking that part out of the story. Cause imagine how different, <laughs> imagine how different people would be if, if that was their spiritual guiding light was that like, no, it's, it's our job to complete the creation, not marvel at it and attribute it to some, of course, it's something bigger than ourselves, but the, the, the bigger thing is also us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh God, I don't. Uh. I think that's why I had such an issue with religion when I was younger. The people around me just seemed to be not looking at the whole religion, but nitpicking and like picking out parts that they were taught that related to them specifically or helped their agenda. And I couldn't stand that. It's like, if you're going to put uh, the words don't come out, if you're going to say that you are religious and you truly believe in this, then you can't just believe in a part of it. You can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to follow this one, but that doesn't apply to me. It doesn't work that way. And that, even as a young child, the 
idea of hypocrisy was very apparent to me in the people that I was around. And that's why I don't like churches. <laughs> that's one of the many reasons why I don't like them. They feel very cult-like when I go into them. And so I have my mother to thank for one thing. She used to tell me that if you want to worship God, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to wait to pray when you go to church. You don't have to read the Bible in church. You you don't have to worship as a group. You can do this alone. And that led me down my spiritual journey. And it did ultimately land me as not being a religious person. <laughs> but I I love her for that. Because even though she was deeply religious and Baptist at that time in my life, um, you know, God was helping her through her illness. Um, she took the time to say that to me as a child. And she took the time to say, you know, even though your dad doesn't believe in God, we still love him. He's your father. And that's his right to believe that. And I think that might be ultimately why Andrew Yang meant so much to me, because he was the embodiment of that kind of value that I was taught at a young age, where you can still respect somebody for having a different belief system. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, geez. Yeah, I didn't expect this episode to go this direction, to be honest. I, thought, I didn't either, but that's what I makes it so may, magic. <laughs> yeah, I thought we might talk more about my, my history and, and upbringing and what led me to Yang. And then, you know, the point that I had made during discussion with you that I had never actually said out loud to anybody else during volunteering for the campaign i figured we would touch on that but like i did not expect a deep discussion about religion and and values but i love it i love it for sure (laughs) that's what this is now it's it's like people people again were like oh you're the andrew yang guy what are you gonna do now that he dropped out and i'm like what are you talking have you been listening oh my god this is so much bigger Yeah, it kind of blew my mind. Like um, on Twitter, I had made a post about how like I didn't understand why why people were upset with him going on CNN, and um, Mm. that I had mentioned, you know, if you if you think he's betraying the cause, then you haven't been listening. (laughs) And people really didn't like that. Not a lot of people like commented or liked that at all. So people didn't like being called out for that. But it's it's true. It is true. That wasn't it, it, his. Boy. That wasn't his point. <laughs> it absolutely was, and Andrew will be heralded in the in the books of the future in whatever format that they happen to appear in. He will be heralded as like a god of Olympus, you know, like this level of uh, influence on humanity as a whole. But it it's important that all he did was illuminate something that was already there. It, yeah. it was there the whole time. It it's just we we needed a mirror, you know. Um, to and I don't think he's going it. anywhere. <laughs> oh, of course not. Of course not. But there was this total callous disregard of the whole of the whole enterprise that was built into the media narrative. That was just like, no, you're just. You know, you're you're just the edgy kind of Bernie bros of this weird extremist obscure party. And it was it was the fact that nobody would, had really bothered to take in the time to hear the actual message. Uh, so much of it was just came down to the laziness of 
being stuck in the same thing that's killing you. And it, it's, it, it's very much that like, it, it hurts when I poke it, you know, and it, it takes somebody else. I'm reversing my metaphors and it will stop poking it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it really is kind of that, like a reverse, a reverse childhood thing to where like, uh, yeah, stop poking it and it'll stop hurting. Um, <laughs> that's what this <laughs> that's whole what this what I whole say to my kids is. all the time. <laughs> yeah, if it hurts, yeah. don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's just all of it. All of it is just about getting back to that. It, this was never. The thing that we've been flirting with and trying to nail down in this series, it was never a political ideology or a campaign ideology. It was a return to something deeper. Those return we saw fleeting glimpses of it, you know, just in the tiniest moments and in, in like the smile of a child, you know, like twinkle of the eyes if I want to get like fucking go there. I know I'm not that level of storyteller, but I'm gonna try to get better. Um, but it, it, it really is that, that is it. That's why we're here. That's what, why the series exists. And that's why it is absolutely going to continue, uh, until the sun explodes, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is my default answer now. Cause I kept getting, I kept, after I put that last voicemail blast, I kept getting people calling in or, or texting or whatever. just like, is it still, how long is the line open? I still want to tell my story. And I'm like, until the sun explodes this is like <laughs> this was <laughs> never a like yes this is an Andrew Yang series we were just like no there's something here there's something here to to dig at and we need to find it and i'm starting to reconnect with a bunch of people who were part of season 1 um like mm-hmm. Alyssa who's fantastic who it, it, aside from this whole other crazy chaotic thing i dumped out my emotional purge to her and was like no you need to keep dancing because that's beautiful uh and you're a beautiful human um because she deleted her youtube channel because she was provide she was doing all kinds of content for um the campaign and and just dancing she's just a beautiful human and so expressive and i was like no 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 like to find another reason to dance you don't have to do it in front of you know a young 2020 logo like this is this is so much bigger um, so I just heard back from her. So th- this is a uh, listener. I-, I will have heard the rest of that, her <laughs> feedback, but th- that really is what this is. And hopefully um, in whatever humble way we've tried to get that uh, at least in the back of your brain, just like a little tingly. Hey, <laughs> that that's, that's the whole mission. So, I mean, I have exhausted myself. I've repeated myself like way more than is comfortable for me because I hear myself doing it as the introspective type. But um, you've been extremely generous with your time this morning. And uh, I know you have to go and do mommy things and stuff. Um, but <laughs> if if we had to, uh, really, if we had to leave the listener with, a final parting words what what would they be from you oh my gosh that's a that's a no hard pr- question no pressure <laughs> it's it's fine it's fine no pressure spotlight go <laughs> <laughs> well i mean if i had to summarize this long all over the place conversation and and really just why i wanted to be a part of it it's it's that you know 
Andrew Yang may be out of the race for now. That's not the end for him. And humanity first really is the message. And what I think this podcast is achieving is allowing you to hear all the different voices, all of the the variety, if you will, of Yang Gang and all of their messages and who they are. It just don't give up and don't don't think you don't have a reason to go on with whatever it was that you were doing just because Yang's out of the race. There, you know, they, there's people in the Yang gang that are making full lists of candidates for other offices that have aligning views. So support them, find someone in your area, canvas for them. You know, all the small changes that you can make can really make a huge difference. And who knows, if he does run in 2024, I think if we're all continuing, sorry, (coughs) losing my voice here, if we're all continuing to do our part, the climate will be much more accepting by that point. I truly believe that. And I also truly believe, like you mentioned, with the dancer, um, you have many other reasons to continue dancing. And you can use that as a metaphor across whatever it is that you're doing find your purpose, find your voice. He helped you get there. He helped you find the confidence to do what you're doing now. So keep pushing forward with it, whatever that is. Yes. I love it. And, and he was an outside voice awakening something that's already inside you. This is not external. It's internal. It's inside you. Um, it mm-hmm. really is. Oh, geez. Oh man, that was awesome. That was fucking beautiful. I mean, people like you and me, we we took a leap. We, I mean, aside from landing another nine to five job, we've kind of immersed ourselves in it. We don't really have an easy luxury of going back on what we've decided to do since he inspired us. And so I would say the people who do have an easy way to backtrack, Maybe you should not look at that option. Maybe you should keep pushing forward on what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like the the easy way is easy for a reason and the hard mm-hmm. way is worth it for a reason. It's usually worth it to go the long way. And this is tying back to uh, another just spiritual purse dumping. It, it's worth it to go the long way if the long way is more fun and, and gets you to uh, throw your hands up because life is a ride. Um, it's, it's, this is why we're here. It's not just to pay bills and die (laughs) really, (laughs) you know, and this is why this, this thing, whatever, whatever this thing we're stumbling upon, which again was already here and we're just, we're calling it humanity first. Andrews was the, uh, little kids in the woods to point it out and say, isn't this cool? Um, it, that's who. Uh, again, I'm on repeat. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Help. Error, error, <laughs> error. <laughs> well, it is a lot uh, of uh, finding the same eight. message and, and stating it differently. Um, yeah, then... just just keep swimming, kids. <laughs> if I want to uh, if I want to invoke another uh, kiddie movie that makes me cry like a little girl, uh, which yeah. I absolutely love, uh, just keep swimming. I mean, that that's really that's really what it is like take the harder way take the long route you know take the scenic route enjoy your fucking time and just just keep getting through it because that's that's life that that's Mm -hmm. the option the other option is to shut yourself down and 
close yourself off and just be tiny and invisible. And when people feel tiny and invisible, it makes them feel like nothing. And we can't let people feel like nothing because nobody's nothing. Um, nobody on this whole earth, whoever you are. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like that was great. <laughs> Lena, thank you fucking so much for coming on the show. This was like again, like totally like we were not expecting to go here at all, but we really the fact that we're just on that same wavelength and we were just like able to really dig down to what this really is and not the corporatized prepackaged version that the the narrative is that it's just like, oh yeah, wouldn't it be great if we all had more money? Which is certainly a part of it. But uh this specific conversation, I think, has been God. Everyone's every single one is best, better than the last man. That's <laughs> we we found it. It's there. It's it's there. It's mm -hmm. deep underground, and we just have to dig it up. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Um, I do feel like some of the points that I had expected to talk about might still be a good message to put out in the in the world eventually, but. Um, the conversation that we had today is definitely a, a great one. And I hope that whoever's listening um, is, is inspired or continued to be inspired by this movement. Oh, yeah, man. And I mean, like, we're this so much of this is <laughs> throughout the whole thing of the show. We're just scratching the surface uh, on so many of these things. And there's so many other places to go so i'm 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 definitely bringing you back like th this was not like a yeah hey come <laughs> hang out and then get out of my house it was like no like we're, we are friends now let's go out to lunch <laughs> <laughs> well to be uh, honest so, i've, I've so never much. been on a on a podcast so i had no idea i mean i had a conversation with an old friend of mine it was like am i actually interesting enough to be on a podcast are you kidding no me oh this is gold <laughs> gold this is beautiful. It's going to be weird for me to listen, listen to it. Um, you know, listen to myself again. You gave that to me with the, with the voicemail first. And, and now I'm listening to a totally different side of me, you know, not the emotional message side, but, but actual real conversation. So it's going to be so weird. <laughs> I'm sure it is because I'm one of those people. It took me a long time to get used to that to, because I listen to the show more than everybody and anybody because I have to make it and I have to edit it. I hear myself more oh, than yeah. ever. And I, I hear all the flaws and I, I, my default is usually just to leave them in. But, but the power of hearing your own voice really can't be understated. Um, and so that, that was an invisible torch that I was carrying this whole time that I, I never really pointed out and said like, yes, this is the thing, but really that is the thing. Um, it's about realizing that, you know, again, you're not standing on the outside looking in, you're a part of it. And if you open your mouth and you open your eyes and you start making some noise, you'll realize that a lot of other people in the room feel the same way you do. And you're not alone. And so much, so much of our strife and our struggle as humans these days is just tied to that fact that we feel alone. You know, nobody's alone. You're not alone. This yeah, is alone life. in a point in time when we're more connected than we've ever been. Than um, literally so ever crazy. in history, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. Uh, that's, that's it in a nutshell. You are not alone. Thanks for listening. This is...
Uh, Great. Fantastic. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You have a really good taste in podcasts, clearly. So you probably also have a good taste in friends and know somebody who would enjoy the show as much as you do. So share the love. It's what we're all about. Special thanks to the friends of the show who make it possible. Rob J. Wilson, Corey Wilcox, Phil Orr, Travis Meyer, Heather Cook, Julia May, Boone Hem, and Lena Miller. Join the MindWave universe at mindwave.media to be a part of the MindWave journey with us. Also, make sure to check out the other content creators in the MindWave sandbox and please help us support their work. Give us a follow on Twitter at MindWave Podcast. If you think I'm cute, you can follow me at MindWave Jenner. And if you think I'm annoying, wait until you see my Twitter at MindWave Josh. Thanks again for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time. The Mindwave Podcast is produced by Studio Stargazer. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. So this is uh, Lena from the Humanity First episode 15, if you were listening. I've gotten a lot of feedback from uh, those of you that are from the Summertown and Hoenwald area that I forgot the uh, most important thing in Summertown. So I'm doing a, an addendum to, to uh, speak out about this. Um, so what I forgot to mention is what was formerly known as the Hippie Farm, now known as the Farm. It's a bit of a commune. Um, it was established in 1971 by Stephen Gaskin. Rumors are, or at least what I've been told since I was young, is that they are a separate entity apart from the U.S., but within the United States. Um, I can't find anything about that online though, so maybe someone can enlighten me on what that actually is. Um, but the farm, uh, they do have gates, they have fences, you have to, when I was younger, you had to be invited in by a member in order to see it. Uh, but now the gates are open during normal business hours for tourists to come in and see different things. They have their own um, doctors, their own school, their own book publishing company, their own stores. Uh, the last time I was there, they were 100% vegan. Um, so the stores that you would go to, you wouldn't find any any meat, uh, no eggs or animal byproducts. Um, it's a really cool place to go if you're interested in that type of thing. And it was really cool to grow up down the road from it. Shout out to my friend um, Aminata, who uh, grew up there and uh, invited me in during the time that their gates were closed. Um, but yeah, you can look it up. It is called The Farm. There's actually a website called thefarm.org where you can find all the information about uh, who lives there, the community. And it actually says there's a little over 200 people currently living there now. 
Um, they used to be more, actually. So, yeah, check it out. Look it up. And uh, for the listeners out there who know more about it, feel free to reach out to us. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Lena Spritzy. That's S-P-R-I-T-Z-Y. Or, of course, you can always reach out to the podcast directly and uh, we will make any other addendums or speak out on this for you. Thank <laughs> you.